It's a little weird. I'm, I'm not a, a manuscript preacher anymore, and I don't like to preach behind a pulpit. I always like to preach down where most of the people are. This is a little odd because there's only two other people down here with me <laughs> as we record. And, of course, the camera's up at the edge of the balcony, and there are three people up there working tech for us, which is great today, and f- four people, if I count properly, behind me on the raised rostrum. But the truth is, I just feel more comfortable after all these years preaching down here where the pews are, even when the pews are empty. Uh, I'm blessed to be with you as your new regional minister here in the Christian Church in the Upper Midwest. I've been in this position for just over two months. Before that, I was a congregational pastor outside of Kansas City, Missouri, in Independence, Missouri, Harry Truman's hometown And we pre-recorded our worship services since March, and usually I would preach in an empty room. And even so, as I shared with them on my last Sunday, I always preached down here. Because I like to be close to the people. Partially it's because in my first congregation, everybody sat in the back. I'm sure that never happens in this congregation. But everybody, and I felt so gosh darn far away from them if I stood up here. It was like there was a great sea, you know, the parting of the Red Sea. There was a great sea of empty pews in between us. And so I would come down just to be closer to them. And I guess that's kind of stuck. I don't think that's just me, though, though that's by way of introduction. I do think God kind of feels that way with us sometimes. God feels unnaturally, unhealthily separated from us and looks for ways to reach out into our lives and be closer to us. And of course, we celebrate the greatest of those ways this week, the gift of Jesus, where God literally (laughs) took human form and came to walk on this very earth, right along us. Eat the food we eat and drink what we drink and sleep and all the rest. Laugh, cry, close to us. But I guess I'm getting a little bit ahead of the story because before Jesus shows up, we have to wait a little longer. We have to anticipate the arrival of Jesus. That's some of what this fourth Sunday of Advent is about, our heightened anticipation of what comes next, the promises of what comes next. And that's what the prophet Isaiah is talking about in this prophecy as well. The promises of God that come next. This is part of a longer prophecy. I didn't want to read all of it this morning, not because it's not valuable, but because I wanted to focus on these last verses. And I find if I start at the beginning, well, maybe it's just me, but I get distracted and forget what I want to focus on, which is these final verses. Starting with this image of God sending rain out from the heavens, and it doesn't come back empty. When God sends rain, it produces results. Now, I know I'm in the midst of farm country, and I'm no farmer. So many of you listening today know much more about the growing of all sorts of crops than I do. And so if I muddle it a little bit, I apologize, and you can teach me. Um, But that's the image that the prophet is giving us, that God sends out rain, God sends out a prophecy of truth. And just like the trees around us and the flowers and, yes, the good crops, which provide our food and sustenance, God's efforts will not be empty or in vain. All of those things will happen. 
But you know better than I, those of you who tend the soil, that it doesn't rain one day and you harvest the next, does it? I mean, only if you're watching a really sappy movie does that happen. Instead, there's a lot of work and even forethought that goes into the producing of crops before we can harvest them. And I think that's very true in these promises of God. If we expect that God is simply going to, well, as one of my friends like to say, raise a magic wand and go poof, and everything will be different, we don't understand the way God's creation works, the way God works, or ultimately the way our salvation through Jesus works. Because while, yes, God has reached out and done something momentous, epic, history-changing, the harvest, in some ways, is still in the future. There's still work to be done. There's still growing to be done, tending to be done. When I was young and we had a giant garden as a child, there's still weeding to be done. Boy, I hated that. I don't know about the rest of you, but I hated weeding, particularly onions, because you had to pick out the weeds from the, the short onion stems. And that was always my job, summer after summer, to weed the onions. All of that work in order to produce the fruit we'll enjoy. I've been thinking about this prophecy and the work that goes into making promises happen, the work that goes into nurturing growth, as I've been thinking about Pastor Les and the road ahead of her in these coming weeks. Neuroscientists, and I'm not one of those either, so if I muddle this up, I apologize as well. But evidently, our brains are constantly growing as well. And there are connections that are constantly being made inside our crania, inside our skulls. Some of those connections reinforce things that are already there. Repetition that helps us do things better, like playing a musical instrument well, for example. And some are new connections, things we'd never realized or thought before, things we'd never done before. And Pastor Les's brain is going to be making lots of connections in the weeks and months ahead. And she's going to be surrounded by a lot of people helping her in that process. Nurturing her, caring for her, uh, forgiving her when it doesn't quite work helping her to forgive herself when it doesn't quite work as expected as it always has in the past. A lot of work and patience and tending and promises of good things to come. But there's a lot of that in our world right now. A lot of brokenness and incompleteness and restrictions that feel just downright unnatural. Unhelpful even. And we're going to be reminded of several of those this week. Those of us who don't travel or if we do travel, travel in different ways. Those of us who gather in smaller gatherings or in remote gatherings using technology 
those of us who have different food and, well, we just do different things. Even Christmas Eve is going to feel, well, pretty, pretty weird come Thursday night, I think. And if we want, we can focus on everything that's broken. We can focus on everything that isn't working. We can focus on all the things that aren't how we want them to be. Or or we can look at the seeds that God has planted, the ways that God has tendered those seeds and, and watered them and nurtured them, the ways that you and I have helped to water and nurture and tend to those seeds in our own lives, in the lives of our children and our grandchildren, in the lives of our neighbors and our friends, in the lives of our siblings, in Jesus' name, in the church. That's the part of the prophecy I don't want us to forget out of this 55th chapter of Isaiah. Because after it says what God does, God does things that you and I can't do, God does things that you and I don't even imagine sometimes, it says, you shall go out with joy. Did you notice that when we read it just a few minutes ago? Maybe it's more obvious if you start at the beginning of this 55th chapter and read all the way, and it starts off with a human perspective, and then God breaks in, thankfully, and gives us a much broader, bigger, more loving more just perspective of how God's ways are not our ways. That is true. And how God is doing all these things and how God will make sure that God's efforts are not in vain. And then this 12th verse, you, you shall go out with joy and come back with peace. And the trees will clap their hands with joy, rejoicing in Your efforts, my efforts, our efforts, the things that we do in the name of God. The work that we do to bring about about some of these promises of God. The last of those mentioned is peace. I'll use that as a final example. Peace doesn't just happen. I mean, it's well enough to say that the, the, the way to peace is that people just stop wanting to fight. And on the surface, that is true. But there's all sorts of motivations for why we fight, sometimes out of anger and sometimes out of greed and sometimes just out of a desire for power. And if there's to be peace, we usually have to overcome those things. We have to work to overcome those things. God has planted the seeds and watered them and given us good examples of what peace looks like, of what peace is. But if we don't participate, well, we won't find peace in our lives. That's for sure. Because nobody outside of us can make us peaceful. And it's true of the other things that the candles of Advent represent as well. We have to choose and work to be loving. Nobody can make us love. We have to work and choose to be joyful. Nobody can make us be joyful. Don't believe me? Try with a crying child to suddenly make them happy. 
And as we get older, we get even more stubborn. So it's even harder with us. And hope. Hope is not something forced on us either. Oh, God has planted all those seeds. God has sent out and nurtured us and watered us and sent us Jesus to show us all these things and more fruits of the Holy Spirit, more of the ways that God wants us to live, well, the ways God wants us to live as he created us to live. But it only works. It only works if we do some of the work too. If we participate. If we grow into that love and then we live out love and share it. If we grow into that joy and live it out and share it with others. If we grow out hope and peace, live them out and share them. They can be contagious. They're good antidotes to the negative things that are contagious in our world too. That's the promise. It's been the promise for centuries. In some ways, it's the essence of the reason that Jesus came to be with us, to show us and teach us by example what all of those things look like lived out by a human being. Grace and forgiveness and hope and love and joy and peace and so much more. Sometimes it takes patience. And because we're broken, sometimes it'll be two steps forward and one step back. But never forget, God did not send Jesus to be useless. Just as God does not send the rain from the heavens to come back empty without producing crops. God hasn't sent you and me into this world to be useless either. Thanks be to God for that. Amen.